0: Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Today, we'll be discussing the real opportunities and concerns around using artificial intelligence in journalism. AI is no doubt enjoying a mainstream moment. You can't go too far without somebody mentioning ChatGPT, Bard or Midjourney. Our social media feeds are full of examples of the quirky, helpful and dangerous potential applications. And as a result, it can be easy to buy into the hype or get that FOMO feeling. Here to tell you what your newsroom needs to know is Mattia Peretti, the outgoing manager of Journalism AI, a project of POLIS, a think tank at the London School of Economics. Mattia has been spearheading its research, training and collaboration efforts around best practices of AI and journalism for the last four years. This week marks the end of his time there, and we'll be looking back at how far the news industry has come since he joined the team and what the perfect relationship between journalism and AI looks like. And the message is clear it's critical that newsrooms start embracing AI as long as they exercise caution. Don't go anywhere. Mattia, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Thank you ever so much for coming onto the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here,
0: Mattia. Many people will know you as the manager of um, Polis at the London School of Economics, where you are now coming to the end of your tenure. There, you're moving on since starting there in 2019. Um, hopefully, today we're going to have you know be able to reflect on your time there, some of the some of the ways in which journalism has evolved with its applications of AI. But you know, looking back on your time there now, what achievements are you most proud of that you've that you've done at LSE?
1: That's an interesting question and the perfect time to reflect on that, of course, as tomorrow it's going to be my last day here. So I've done a lot of this thinking uh, lately. It's hard to say, really, because this this project was not meant to exist. Let's put it that way. Like, we were uh, created with uh, uh, our partners, with the funding from the Google News Initiative, kind of with the idea of doing just a research report, a 12-month thing, publish this research, done with it. Uh, it was quite astonishing to see how much we learned through that research and how obvious it was to all parties involved that we we can 't stop here. There is so much we can do. We can continue help organizations. This is a topic that it 's going to get big sooner or later. Mm-hmm. we are exactly right now at the time of the getting big (laughs) happening Uh, so a lot happened that was not expected so thinking back in terms of achievements I think it feels right to have been onto something from the beginning and to still see people refer back to that report from 2019. It's getting old right now so I know the team is working on renovating uh, that content uh, this year Uh, but it's still still seen as one of the key reports in the areas even four years after the publication so definitely it's still something to be proud of i would say
0: the extension itself really the fact you've continued this 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 work was there a light bulb moment for you within the team where it felt like we can't stop what we're doing we have to keep going
1: yeah i think it was pretty much from from that first year really like the conversations of course were useful in practice to be able to publish the report and hear the feedback but everyone was just so generous and at the same time so eager not only to talk to us but to talk with others to talk with each other we had that was like we we always joke that there was nothing that surprising in that report mm-hmm. we can say the one thing that really surprised us was how much people were interested in collaboration sure. in collaborating with others because it's a hard topic let's try to address it together rather than everyone on the road perfect
0: well let's go back to 2019 you you mentioned the reports um new powers new responsibilities a global survey of journalism and artificial intelligence came out in 2019 when you were you know the the year of which that you joined the um, the team uh the the big finding of course from that study back then was that less than 40 percent of news organizations had at that time a dedicated ai strategy citing reasons such as lack of financial resources lack of skills and talent skepticism over what it would mean for their jobs cultural resistance how much has changed since then
1: uh well it's it's hard to say as in i don't uh, we don't have the figure of course i hope the team will have an mm-hmm. updated number on that forty percent later later in the year uh oddly enough I don't expect that number to have been changed massively i think I joke that was going through with some of the people who responded to that report was like an AI strategy? We don't have a strategy for anything at all. Like, (laughs) why are you expecting us to have an AI strategy? And unfortunately, I think many organizations, maybe that can still be uh, true. Uh, I think definitely, and I know of many organizations that as we speak right now, are realizing with the advent of generative AI and how the topic is now mainstream, okay, we need to address this. We need to be ready to help our people understand what they can do and what they shouldn't do, especially. So I do expect that number to... Whatever the AI strategy is, and that's a matter of definition as well, I definitely expect that number to grow in the coming months.
0: A little bit more, uh, a cultural acceptance and coming around to for sure to AI. I remember speaking to your old boss Charlie Becker at the time of that study, and one of the things he said to me, which kind of stuck with me, is this was in 2019. Listen, newsrooms have five years to get on board with AI or risk becoming irrelevant. We're three and a half, four years into that prophecy. How are we doing, roughly speaking? <laughs>
1: I think we're doing pretty well in general I want to be honest here at the same time I don't think there is an answer that applies to the whole industry there is there are many organizations that are doing very well mm-hmm. they took this seriously they started exploring and experimenting and talking with each other since even before we existed in 2019. And I'm sure they will reap the benefits now of what is happening. Uh, there are many others who will have to scramble to catch up. And I think they can, because I think there is a lot of resources out there more than ever that if you want, you can you can navigate this space. Yep. It's all going back to the responsibility in the title of the report at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I see. So it's, it's more one that larger news organizations have been able to um, confront and the smaller ones maybe n- need a bit more support in order to get the ball mo- moving.
1: I think that's in part true. Like, let's be honest, it's the type of thing where you do need resources. So a larger organization is better positioned sometimes to do this, but I wouldn't use that as a blanket statement. It's not big or small, the difference, because over these four years, we have encountered so many small and local outlets that just out of you know innovation will to try things out, and also sometimes being small allows you to experiment things a bit more freely mm. than maybe the bigger constraints of our bigger organizations with their uh, well-defined processes. So we have seen many of these smaller organizations actually doing amazing things with AI. So it's not that clear division, big or small. It's um, it's just across the board. I would say many call them illuminated minds or I don't know what's the right expression in English to use there that really s- is so coming and thought yeah there's something out there let me try to experiment and understand it deeply.
0: Your favorite example?
1: So many it's hard to choose one really and uh, what, what I find incredible of our the work we've done during these four years is that these incredible experiences are exp- examples, sorry, are coming from all over the world. Like, of course, uh, we have learned a lot from some organizations like the AI and Automation Lab of uh, Bayerischer Rundfunk, Bavarian Radio in Germany, and they still are incredible. I mean, I admire them so much, the team led by Uli Koppen and the rest of the team, uh, but also smaller organizations from Peru or Mexico doing small, very, very cutting-edge work with machine learning. Uh, So, yeah, the examples
0: are many. I'm going to press you for an example, but, within the, um, but Go I'm going to it. narrow the, the, the uh, criteria here. In terms of, I mean, the big sell of artificial intelligence has been it's going to be able to make newsrooms uh, become more efficient, do things that they couldn't normally do, you know, essentially punch above their weight when we're all so tight for resources. What's one example of AI within maybe a small or restricted organization which is really surprised you and thought, wow, they've been able to do that, we, even with their constraints? Whew.
1: You're putting me on the spot there, spotlight, with having to choose um, one again. uh, In our in our fellowship, I think we have seen some good examples also of collaboration between these smaller and bigger organizations that worked uh, very well. And uh, um, I want to I want to mention one small uh, team from Mexico. The The organization is called Data Critica. Um, and they've been working with data journalism in very innovative ways before AI was even a a thing. And uh, with us, they have done a couple of uh, projects that... You know, they may not be the groundbreaking things like when you start using ChatGPT and you're like, wow. But in terms of the efficiency and the things that they were able uh, to do working on um, projects like uh, Attack Detector last year that looked at making more efficient the process of uh, recognizing and then being able to report on uh, attacks online uh, directed to journalists and environmental activists in Brazil and Mexico, for example. This is not the kind of thing that makes you, you know, your head spin but it's just a very practical and very efficient use that allows you to do important journalism in a more impactful way
0: what i take so far is this less flashy applications of ai can be some of the most beneficial ones it's important not to get too drawn into the spectacle and focus more on the practical mattia's example there about using ai to recognize and report online abuse is a good one particularly for those covering beats like climate, which draw a lot of targeted, agenda-driven abuse. Generative AI is a more eye-catching example as it shows off the power of the technology. The media startup Semaphore recently used the tech to recreate footage from Ukraine based on interviewee statements that journalists on the ground could not get. News cases like this and ChatGPT can sometimes be useful, but Mattia also warns against the potential risks.
1: ChatGPT and, in general, Generative AI tools are very tricky i am working these days right now with a publisher in the uk of helping them figure out the internal guidelines that they want to be able to design and put together for their journalists about this and it's funny we were thinking of um sort of like a traffic light systems to be able to say to the journalist okay green light you can do this thing and yellow light not sure red absolutely don't use ChatGPT for these things and the more we're listing examples the more we're like we're not putting anything green, yeah. because it's really hard at the moment to trust the reliability of these tools. That said, I don't want to be a lotist here. So I think one interesting example where the risk may be moderate, I wouldn't push it as far as say low, is uh, what uh, you can use generative AI tools to repackage existing content. That I find it very useful. So you have already your content, let's uh, a single article, and you want to you want the help of these tools summarizing it, or coming up with a bullet point list of the key elements, or writing a tweet for you, drafting a tweet for you. By all means, don't publish it without review, but drafting a tweet or a call out for your readers. Doing all these things that allow to reuse your existing content to meet different user needs. That is something that I find very interesting to experiment with moving forward.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you will have seen Semaphore's generative AI with the uh, reporting in Ukraine using sort of interviewees to recreate uh, footage that the, the journalists on the ground couldn't get. You know, where does that fall on your traffic light system?
1: That's a, that's a, that's a tricky one. And I think there are, I mean, there could be an entire podcast about this specific thing. I would say, um, I'm not particularly in favor. I see the value of it in terms of a possibility that it offers you. I don't know if the public is uh, ready to understand how this was created and what that means. The line between helping our readers or our viewers understand this is real, this is not, is still very blurry. So I guess I personally would exercise a little bit more caution, but this is definitely a yellow light, not a red
0: one, in my opinion. Sure. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, the the obvious other question to ask right now is what applications of AI maybe give you concern and, and, and worry?
1: I think... One of the bigger things, because it can seem like an easy thing to do and a low-risk thing, is the idea that many may have that we can now use generative AI tools to research our stories. Right, that is incredibly dangerous because these tools are not designed to be search. They're not designed to do that for us. They just, you we know, we, they put words one next to the other based on probability. They have no concept of truth, accuracy, reliability. So the idea that I have seen, I mean, I think we have all seen on Twitter and on LinkedIn, all these threads about these are some of the amazing things you can do with chatgpt And if you're not doing it already, you're missing out. And sometimes research is put there among these examples. I find that very dangerous because that's where the responsibility needs to come much stronger and maybe you want to do it out of curiosity because it's fun let's be honest but we do need to always remember that we cannot trust a single word that comes from that to be true
0: Mm. i think the one caution that's always been there with ai is that the human can never be taken out of the loop and it always kind of needs to be there is that you know i would presume to be the case with with what you're saying about research but is the research element kind of okay if there's a human involved at every step step of the way you think
1: I think it just depends on the awareness level of the mm. human in the process right. here. I don't know if it's clear to everyone as much as I think in our circles, maybe it's obvious to everyone right now. I would not take for granted that every single journalist, every single member of the audience understand what these large language models actually do and how that information is created so if they, they if the single human in the loop doesn't have that awareness then even the research bit is very dangerous
0: a quick one from me and then we'll get back to the chat with Mattia we will continue the conversation about AI and journalism at our upcoming NewsWire conference on the 23rd of May 2023 at News UK in London and we'll even hear more from the Polis team with the incoming manager Seppo Shabalala grab your ticket now on NewsRewide.com and we'll see you there Matthew, as, as I look to wrap up with you, I'd like you to get your crystal ball out for for a moment and just. <laughs> but no, seriously, where where do you where would you like to see journalism and AI head from here? You know, what is the kind of perfect marriage between them? The perfect
1: marriage is back to our title of 2019 because it's too easy and too lazy to just take a side and just pretend that AI is wrong, we should block it. Um, or that on the other side, AI it's going to solve all our problems, so let's not be stupid and just use it for everything. I think the the soft spot is in between. Always finding balance, always going with the responsibility uh, in mind. So I, I genuinely think that the we are going to, as journalists, we're soon going to have very powerful tools at our hands. And it would be stupid to just say, no, we cannot use them because it's too risky. At the same time, we very much need to be aware. And so I think the work that my team has been doing, and we are not alone, there are many others uh, out there in helping journalists really understand how this works, what is good to do, what is not, and continue talking about it as an industry, as we're doing with podcasts like this one and so on, so that we can keep spreading education, for lack of a better word, around this topic, I think this is absolutely necessary to guarantee that the industry can make good use of AI in the future and in the present.
0: Interesting. And and what's your two cents on the news kind of this week where Elon Musk and co are are calling for a pause on the development of AI more powerful than OpenAI's chat GPT? Um, What do you you think about that, uh, Mattia?
1: I just think... (laughs) I, it's it's hard, to be honest. So it's hard to have an opinion on this. And I think it's also hard to have an opinion when, you know, those big names, you uh, know, Musk comes to the forefront of this. Um, I don't know is the honest answer. I'm not a policy person to be able to distinguish here right or wrong. I just don't think necessarily that uh, that kind of request is realistic to be very honest. I don't think it's implementable, so it's almost void in that regard. I do think that more responsibility, sorry to go back to the same word, should be asked not just of the journalist, but also of the creator of these of these tools. It's, it's inevitably interesting to see how OpenAI completely changed over a few years their approach to this for practical benefits, both from a development point of view and business point of view, and we live in this world. We should not pretend that we live in a fairy tale where nobody cares about money. Uh, but yeah, more responsibility from everyone, including the tech companies. It's a big need here.
0: Super. Okay, and, and one last place to leave it then. I think earlier on you were saying that, you know, the news industry quite generally is coming around to the idea of AI and these tools are kind of becoming more accessible to us. What's your parting message uh, to our listeners as you kind of take your next steps um, away from LSE? W- you know, what's your parting message to... Uh, newsrooms who are coming around to the uh, idea of AI and these tools are becoming more accessible to them what would you say to them
1: I would say two things one continue to explore this topic and continue to do it together there is nothing better in this space than learning together like we're all gonna lose if we think you can do it in silos and everyone just trying to be better than the others
0: and in... you mean their peers other cohorts of journalists, yes. or more broadly than that
1: uh, both things, to be honest. It, it definitely mm-hmm. in journalism, we have seen collaboration growing overall and definitely AI is a space that benefits from this, but definitely also looking at other industries and how they may be doing it better mm-hmm. than us uh, in this regard. So this is definitely one thing. Uh, the second one is just don't, don't fall for the hype. Always just remember what we are. We are journalists, we are bound to be skeptical, and we need that skepticism here more than ever, to A, don't fall for the hype of how cool these new tools are because they are, let's be honest, it's a lot of fun to play with Bard or John GPT, and also not fall on the other side for the for the FOMO, for the fear of missing out. I need to start using it, otherwise everyone else will be ahead of me that's really a recipe for disaster.
0: Mattia, thanks ever so much for your time today and wishing you all the best um, as you take your next steps in your career. Thanks ever so much.
1: Thank you, Jacob. Much appreciated.
0: This episode made me think back to my conversation with the polis director, Charlie Beckett in 2019, who told me this about newsrooms embracing AI, quote, if journalism doesn't get its act together, worse than looking antiquated, it won't be looked at at all how true that now seems four years on, perhaps even worse than not being looked at, AI illiterate newsrooms will be ill-prepared to navigate the online space. It is crucial, but indeed possible, for newsrooms of all sizes to find a good use for the technology. But that means exercising caution amongst the clamour. Everyone, the developers through to the users, must be responsible with how we use the technology. So what do you think? I'd love to keep the conversation going and get your thoughts. You can find me on Twitter at jpgjournalism or email me on jacob@journalism.co.uk. Once again, you can check out all of our episodes on all your usual podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.